Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I am Noah Hiles. He is Alex Stumpf. Alex, one of these days we're going to throw a curveball on people and you're going to open the show and you're going to say, I am Alex Stumpf and I, and he is. No. And whenever we do that, you're going to be laughing in the background because I can't introduce segments like that. You do. I, I remember my I, first I, show I did with you uh, for this podcast and the first time we did Java. I was like, man, I just. Be patient. It's his first, you know, this is your, and you made it clear, like, after I introduce you to everyone, you're just going to do this. And that's, that's been our thing. And hey, yeah. I'm the starter. You're the reliever. I'm, I'm, I'm like the opener and you're like the raised bullpen. I, I get us through a couple too. You you're know, the opener, you're the closer, you know, and, and yeah. came up for the seven innings in between. Perfect. Perfect. So another great day to have a podcast and Alex, uh, we could talk about playoff baseball, but, uh, Full transparency. We're recording this in the afternoon. Uh, we both have some special assignments uh, later in the day. So we're both kind of tied up. So we decided to record before the playoff games are going. And uh, our time, where we're at right now, the Astros are one game away from being dead, and the Dodgers are in big trouble. Now, you're going to listen to this tomorrow, and hopefully it will be over. The Rays will advance to the World Series, and I don't know what to expect with the Dodgers because I'm not writing them off yet, especially after seeing them come back. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? Crazy to think that the Dodgers are like two losses away from Clint Hurdle managing them. Yes, that could be something. All right. So for today's show, we're going to uh, fast forward a little bit to the off season. Uh, the NBA and the NHL, two uh, seasons that just wrapped up, two successful bubbles, uh, some exciting playoffs for both leagues. Uh, their off seasons are getting started now. The NHL draft just concluded. I'm not sure when the NBA draft is. It's going to be coming soon. Um, and then NBA free agency and everything will get going here. Uh, Alex brought this up, and this is a good point. Comparing how these two teams do their off season to baseball, which is the better way? You have one in baseball where it's an extended period of time where there's news that trickles in every so often, and it's kind of random, but when it happens, it can be exciting. You know, there's always those one or two big signings every offseason, and that's fun. Or is it better to do it like the NBA or even the NHL, where in the first couple of days, it's just signing and trades galore, and then it really cools down. We are on opposite sides of this issue, as we normally are, organically. Alex, go ahead and state your case before I state mine. Well, I think you said the first thing with like the, the trickling in it. it. There's hardly ever just there – are, there are days whenever nothing happens. You know, there are even extended periods, maybe even like a week or so. But you're never that far away from like some news coming in. It always feels like, hey, today could be the day that, you know – so-and-so is going to sign or there's going to be a big trade rumor or, or, or something. There's just always something going on. And baseball's big event is kind of in the middle of it, of the offseason instead, where, you know, NBA, NHL, it's the first couple of days and then it's basically over. MLB, there's like half of the offseason, the winter meetings, which are the big, you know, go-to event, and then it's afterwards so if you if you want just the frenzy of like these are going to be a crazy 72 hours you have that but you have that in the middle and by that point you know like okay this team's probably going to be selling this team's probably going to be buying and it's just adding to the anticipation of that so I, I i like that i like knowing that 
we have we've had a little exaggerated in years past with like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper signing well into February and March, where that's kind of ridiculous, right? That that's too much. But but for the most part, it, it, I think it's good. There's going to be a signing in November. There's going to be signings and big trades in December, in January, in February. I think that's more engaging for fans. You know that it's always kind of on the back burner. See, I I mean, I, I guess that's good if you're just a baseball fan. But I think if you're a fan of sports, it's it's a lot more enjoyable when everything comes in all at once. I, I reflect on, it would have been, yeah, last year's NBA offseason, day one, when everything just changed. When Kyrie and Kevin Durant went to the Nets and Jimmy Butler went to the Miami Heat. And I, I mean, it was move after move after move. And Adrian Woj, whatever you say, Woj from ESPN is breaking his thumbs because he's tweeting so much. And, and Shams is involved. And I mean, that was more entertaining than pretty much all of the NBA season. And I'm a big basketball fan. I watch a lot of NBA basketball, especially in the playoffs. And all the NBA playoffs are normally really good. Uh, but holy cow. I mean, it's just so much. That day... And the players are in on it. You know, people are tweeting the eyeball emojis or the the smiley face with a zipper for a mouth. All that's so exciting. And I think baseball could use that. Whereas the you mentioned the Machado and Harper thing. That was – by the time they got signed, everyone was like, cool, fine, whatever. This was annoying. And they didn't have that problem with Garrett Cole this past offseason, thankfully, and yeah. other big free big uh, big free agent guys like Rendon signed relatively quick. Um, but I, I like the idea of as soon as it's going, it's going. It's like another trade deadline. And you said they have the winter meetings. I think a big part of it also is teams just haven't been as aggressive. You know, the NBA, everyone you're you can acquire two players and you're you're you go from a last place team to a championship team I mean we've we've quite literally seen that multiple times in the past 10 years so baseball's different one player isn't going to change your team a whole lot I mean you can get a couple of guys and it will make a big difference but it's not like basketball where there are only five people on the court and it's not like hockey where it's someone who can have a greater impact on the game than as opposed to you sign a pitcher, they're playing once every five days, a hitter, they're going to have slumps. You know, it, it it's just a different game. So I see where there's the differences. I just kind of like how basketball does it. And I mean, for your perspective as a writer, you like having something that can kind of space you out throughout the entire off season where yeah. it, it's just hard to find storylines. But I think that the way the NBA's off season has it structured is so much of the off season even trickles into the regular season, which creates drama, which brings more eyeballs, which brings more interest. Uh, and that, that I think compensates for it where afterward, there's so much hype that comes from the off season when everyone is signed and, and on their new teams, you have a lot of storylines that develop that can carry you through all the way to the start of camp. So I, I kind of like that. Um, like I said, I'm a big NBA guy. Some people get mad that, you know, Giannis, the, the Bucks went down two games to none against the Heat in the Eastern Conference fi- or in the semifinals. And everyone's already talking about how Giannis is going to be on the Golden State Warriors. And that's, that's disheartening, but that's, that's drama, man. That's what sells. And 
people in Pittsburgh can relate to that. When as soon as Bonds didn't throw out Sid Bream, everyone was saying, well, where is he going? He's not staying here. You know, and that that stuff happens in sports. And that's that's interesting. Uh, it's, it's heartbreaking to small market teams in a league without a salary cap. But nonetheless, I think that that's how you draw more eyeballs. I'm a fan of the NBA offseason and the NHL for that matter. Just two quick points that you brought up. One, like the players actually – you know, interacting on social media, even if it is just the eyeballs of the zipper, Major League Baseball just doesn't have that. And that's a problem. Like I, NBA definitely does have more engaging personalities and that does lead to the brand. Uh, baseball just doesn't really have that. And and yeah, I mean, it's, it's different whenever your team gets a Kevin Durant, gets a LeBron James, gets, you know, a Kawhi a big, Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. A Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Like the Clippers went from kind of mad to, you know, one of the West's, you look at the Lakers with one signing. Make the, yeah, you, you can't do that in baseball. You can't yeah. just have one trade. I don't care who you are. Mike Trout is not going to elevate. Uh, who's the most mediocre team in baseball this year? Uh, the Brewers. The Brewers, yes. Mike Trout is – well, maybe the Brewers because that's a pretty good team in general. But pretty good roster. But when Mike they, Trout isn't going to make a 500 roster into yeah. a World Series contender. Yeah. No. Like he can put them into like the playoff discussion. Yeah. Or something, or even like maybe division front runners, but not World Series or I mean, look NBA at championship. the Phillies are a perfect example of that. They say yes. they signed Harper. Yeah. He was the biggest free agent in however long, and they in that same offseason they brought in McCutcheon, they brought in um, Real Muto, Real Muto, they brought in Segura, and they haven't made the playoffs in the last two years. And this mm-hmm. year they didn't even make the playoffs with half more than half the league making it. So yeah, it's a perfect example where in the NBA, if you sign the equivalent, the equivalent of a Bryce Harper in the NBA is like Jimmy Butler. I would say. And Jimmy Butler was two wins away from bringing the Heat a championship. So that's the difference there. Yeah. I mean, baseball and NBA are obviously, in NHL, they're obviously going to be apples and oranges situation. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it in this. Is it going to be too confrontational or non-confrontational just to say that they both match each other's sports better? Because it's a long offseason for baseball, man. I think even if they had, you know, these giant events early on in the offseason, like if, hey, the second it's going to go on, you know, the best five free agents are going to go off the board within 48 hours of this game started, they'll still find stuff this stuff to do as as the offseason goes. It's just too programmed. There's too much minutia. There's too much, you know, winter ball, fall ball, stuff like that always going on. It'll just be more and more tedious trades of, I will trade you this middle reliever for this middle reliever. Well, I need a fringe prospect to give up that middle reliever too. Well, I need a utility. It'd be just boring yeah. stuff like that. And yeah, and I think the problem at with the point, baseball, it's just watering yeah. down. Everything. Yeah. And ho- ho- see, hockey's a better comparison because there are more players. I mean, basketball, more names are recognizable because there's so few on the court and there's so few on the roster. And that's why you, you have that where baseball, like you said, how many people can name middle relievers for every team in baseball? You know, not many, especially like the casual fan. They can't, they don't know who freaking Jenmar Gomez is or something like that. You know, just you go random. to middle reliever. Yeah, just somebody, uh, jo- Joaquin Soria, these, these random people, you know, like, and they're meaningful trades if you acquire guys like that. But hey, I mean, it's just not as exciting as when you bring in a guy who's going to be contributing notable minutes in playoffs, like the Lakers bringing in like a Danny Green or Caldwell Pope or somebody who's going to be their starter. Um, but yeah, hockey's the, a decent comparison where you're bringing in guys, but even then 
hockey, even if it's a fourth line winger, they're still they're still playing the same game, similar role, I guess you could say, where if you're signing a bench guy in baseball, they're not going to be starting or playing significant time in the playoffs for your team. But when the when the Penguins sign a fourth line winger or a, a bottom pair defenseman, they're still okay. Well, will this guy screw us when he has to play his couple of shifts in the in the playoffs? The, those are all things you have to consider, and that's why baseball is different. And also to build on your point, I don't know if it would work for baseball because, like you said, there's not. I think there is a lot of personality in baseball, but I think some of the more entertaining players are Latin. And they their social media doesn't necessarily cross over with American mainstream social media. You know, like some of those guys, they're 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 colorful, they're fun, but their their audience is more people who speak Spanish, and they they're more entertaining that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be Trevor Bauer talking a lot, and uh, that would be about it. If if that's how I changed my mind, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're it's gonna be a little sad, but we're gonna keep it positive in the sense where we're going to highlight um the many baseball legends that have passed away in 2020 uh another recent passing earlier this week we're going to highlight him and the rest of the very long list of impressive names when we return second segment of the show and alex it's brought to you by our good pals at Mike's Beer Bar. Mike's takes good care of us. We do the live show there every Friday. Carter and I do. Alex, you got to join us there sometime. It's a good time. You get good beer. They have great food from the North Shore Tavern. Mike always stops by. Diehard Pirates fan. He's been a big supporter uh, and sponsor of numerous aspects of content here at the site for quite some time now. Um, just an overall great place, somewhere, somewhere where we can always go to, and uh, everyone knows our name because we're they're our sponsor. But I, I don't know if they'll know your name. I can't promise that. But you'll get good service and uh, some good beers. You know, I am going to have to crash after one of those live shows that you guys do on Friday, one yeah. of these days. Yeah, I mean, that's... Are, you'd be behind the camera drinking whenever you that's, guys do. That's what we want. I mean, we're, on front of the, we're in front of the camera drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, you could definitely... We need Alex to be... Carter and I have been making this pitch for a while that we want Alex to be our remote producer and all that consists of is him hitting the record button. That way I don't have to hit record and run back to my seat uh, when the broadcast starts and then run up and hit the record button or end it when the broadcast ends. But we're still, we're still working out contract details with him on that. Yeah. Um, so Alex, uh, the year 2020 has been tough in endless amounts of aspects uh and and one of them related to the baseball world is we've said goodbye to some absolute legends of the game uh not just for their era but i mean some of the greatest players of all time uh left this earth um you know on a positive side a lot of these guys were older they lived good lives uh they had great legacies and they're being remembered the correct way but still it's tough to see a lot of these guys go so i wrote down in order um, six Hall of Famers have now passed away in 2020. It started with Al Kaline in April, uh, Tom Seaver in August. In September, there was Lou Brock. Uh, and so far in October, we've seen Bob Gibson, Whitey Ford, and most recently, Joe Morgan. Uh, and on top of these guys, 
uh, a couple other notable deaths. On New Year's Day, Don Larson passed away. Uh, and Tony Fernandez died in February. A guy who's not in the Hall of Fame, but 17 years in the big leagues, five All-Star games, 45.3 career war. So that's a Hall of Fame-worthy resume, if you ask me. Um, but Alex, I want to go through these Hall of Famers and just you know, talk about what they contribute to contributed to the game some younger baseball fans listen to this podcast they might not know who an Al Kaline is or might not know a lot about some of these guys and uh, maybe just some personal memories that you had learning about them in the history of baseball we'll start with Al Kaline what do you know about Al Kaline yeah um I think I I don't want to speak for you but I, I think a lot of people their first introduction to a lot of these older players at least in my generation was from Ken Burns baseball and that was the first time you you learned about an Al Kaline, a, a Whitey Ford, a, a Bob Gibson, and, and stuff like that. That's if if anyone hasn't watched that, oh my God! Like that's the absolute perfect off season watching. You know, it's it's fantastic, it, and you get the primers there, and then you you learn about them, and it, it, it it's obviously tragic, and it's really ramped up like these last two months. It feels like like that list that you gave, like Al Kaline was in April, then everyone else was, you know within a couple of weeks of each other, more or less. Mm-hmm. And I think we're entering a, I, I don't want to say any like death or, you know, baseball death is going to not going to be impactful, but I think we're entering a different era of it because 1950s, what absolutely dominated baseball? What city? New York. New York. It was a very New York centric league. 1960s advent of television, the game becomes more national. Dodgers and Giants move west out there. A lot of these players that you listed, those are big guys from the 60s. You mm-hmm. know, the Tom Seavers, the Bob Gibsons, the Lou Brocks. It's, it's different, and I think it's a more national thing. Like, on your list there, with the exception of the Cardinals, that's four or five different cities right there. Like, it's, it's getting everyone. And Where every... Where the past was pretty much, you know, Yankees legends and Dodgers legends and New York Giants legends that it, I mean, it's not true, but it feels like those are the ones that you remember, like over the last 10 or so years, you remember Yogi Berra dying and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's, it's a little different than now where it's impacting feels like almost every city. And these are guys that when you say their name, they're the first person you think of when you hear the team that they played for. Like when you yeah. think of the Tigers, I mean, Mr. Tiger was Al Kaline. They mm-hmm. have statues built of them outside of the current ballparks. Uh, some of these guys worked as broadcasters for their teams or even on the national circuit. This was when the game, I mean, the game was huge before they were part of it. But like you said, when it started being televised, you know, ABC's Wide World of Sports, Monday Night Baseball, things of those uh, things, uh, when, it, when it was at its height in the 60s, 70s, these were the stars. And, and like, to start mm-hmm. with Al K-Line, my introduction to Al K-Line was actually this. Did you watch Hey Arnold as a kid? A little. Uh, a little. The, his, his favorite baseball player was Mickey K-Line, and it was a combination of Mickey Mantle and Al K-Line and I, I forget who, I think it was probably my dad or one of my uncles. I was like watching it. And they're like, you know, that's just a play on two baseball players, right? I'm like, no, Mickey Kaline's a real person. And they're like, no, he's two people. He's Al Kaline and Mickey Mantle. And I learned about both of them. Um, but a lot of these other guys, like Tom Seaver, I don't know about you. Uh, in elementary school, we always had to do like one book report a week or whatever. 
Uh, and Matt Christopher, did you read the Matt Christopher books growing up? I don't think so. He would write like just biographies on on all of these sports or all of these athletes. Like he had no. NFL ones, NHL ones, MLB, NBA, and that's where I learned. I know I read uh, Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson uh, on those. I would just pick a different athlete every week. Our school had a whole collection series of them. Um, but yeah, just Tom Seaver just being a part, quite literally, probably top ten pitcher of all time, yeah. uh, top five on some people's lists. He was a pitcher. He and another guy that we're going to talk about were pitchers in the most dominant era of baseball pitching. He was a catalyst for one of the more iconic world championship teams of all time, the, the Miracle Mets. And he was the first Met in the Hall of Fame, three-time Cy Young, a true strikeout guy. Uh, someone one of that, the true first true true strikeout guys. Like, yeah, someone that if you, there was a time from like Walter Johnson to Tom Seaver where there was not much in between. Yeah, if you threw him in today's game, he would translate yeah. flawlessly. Yes. Uh, yeah, he would have been lethal. So that that would be someone that um, I mean, a one hundred six career war is nothing to mess around with. That's pretty impressive. Um, going down the list, Lou Brock. Uh. Aside from base stealing, my connection with Lou Brock, and you share this, is that photo I tweeted Yes. Uh, in the Pirates press box. And it's something where um, if you dig up my old tweets, if you just search like my name on Twitter and Lou Brock, you'll see it. There's a photo in the concession area of the press box at PNC Park, um, and it's a signed photo of Lou Brock and Bob Prince. And he said, you skinny bastard, you're always making me laugh from Lou Brock. And uh, Lou Brock was just the man. Just learning more about him. It, it was also it wasn't signed Lou Brock. It was signed the burglar. The burglar. That's it. Yes, I'm glad you caught that. Um, yeah. Let me move on to the. I don't know. Like out of everyone here, uh, the next the next death was just and it was on the day the Cardinals were eliminated from the playoffs. So I think that that's kind of why it got a lot of attention. Not that all the others didn't, but um, Bob Gibson. It, for Gibson my money, the big one for me. Yeah, he's. I mean, his WAR is a little lower than other guys, um, eighty-one point seven. But he threw twenty-eight complete games in like back-to-back seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the best pitcher in the year of the pitcher, and I know you're going to want to rant about that. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted out like his batting line as as a hitter compared to like how everyone else hit. There was like a a 10 point difference in OPS. Like if, if Bob Gibson would have had one more cheap, you know, base hit over the year, he would have hit better than everyone hit against him. And again, that was the year of the pitcher. That was whenever pitchers are at their very best and he was at a disadvantage as a hitter. Uh, quite one of the best, one of the best of all time, like easy top 10 fringe top five. I mean, like him and Saber, like those two, man, and you can build a hell of a rotation of those we lost this year. I, I mean, you could put it three minor league guys, and that's still, you know, best rotation in baseball. Yeah, I mean, you look. I, I, I didn't do the research because I'm just thinking of this now. But I'd imagine Seaver and and uh, Gibson had some awesome battles, probably in the playoffs even. So, did the Mets ever play the Cardinals in the playoffs? Was it maybe '69? They might have. I'm gonna take a look. All right, well, as he looks that up, I'm going to move on to our next uh, fatality, and this was on October 8th. Um, Whitey Ford, 
a man who, in an organization known for its hitters, is probably the best pitcher in Yankees history. Uh, a 53.6 career war, and a guy that, like we said, in the 50s, 60s, this is when New York wasn't dominating baseball as much as it had been in prior to, uh, prior times, but still was was the ace of a staff that had that loaded lineup. He still was the guy that was starting all of those big game ones, game sevens that they found themselves in. Whitey Ford, another absolute legend. And like you said, Alex, you throw in your one, two, three being Gibson, Seaver, and Ford. Uh, you and I could be the back end. That that, that yes. staff is still going to lead the lead the majors in earned run average and uh, and everything else. It's just really impressive. You got any re- you got any answers for me yet or no? No, no. The Mets and the Cardinals never matched. Up. Never matched. Okay, well they definitely played each other in the regular season a lot. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure I would love to look those numbers up. Um, so those would be some fun pitcher stools. Yeah, I mean, Whitey Ford. Any any thoughts on him? I. This is just off of the last thing about like you and me being the last two guys in the ro- in the rotation of that five man. Like I'm actually wondering like how good that rotation would actually be. Like legitimately, like you and me absolutely getting crushed out there and then being followed by three Hall of Famers. Well, you think about it, all three of those guys are going eight innings a start minimum. Yeah. So our bullpen's bullpen going to be rested. Rested. Yeah. It's I am be- facing three batters, giving up three runs, and then I'm out. We're going to walk the bases loaded. They'll take us out, and hell, I mean, one of those guys might just be like, I'll just get us out of the first. They'll pitch on zero days rest. That's how good they were. Um, They did pitch on four. We might have to to split a spot. Yeah, you and I could piggyback. Yeah, there we go. There we go. (laughs) The worst thing we could have done. (laughs) That would be horrible. We'll just just be punting. In the four-game series, we'd just be punting. Um. And then the le- the most recent one being Joe Morgan earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, for my money, the best second baseman of all time. Uh, I, I tweeted a lot about him. Just Joe Morgan was a guy that I, I learned about through playing actually video games. He was the broadcaster for ESPN for a while. Um, and his voice was on the base, the 2K baseball games that I'd hear growing up. And as corny as that sounds, I mean, that's how kids get introduced to the game. Through yeah. video games, through baseball cards, through free posters from Sports Illustrated. You know, things like that is how kids learn. And then they want to read about it. Then they want to watch stuff on Netflix or or TV about it. And that's how I was introduced to Joe Morgan and just, you know, seeing the the elbow and the batting stance and just learning about those big red machine teams. I mean, they had the, probably the best catcher ever. They had the all-time hits leader. They had the best second baseman ever. And one of the best managers of all time. Those are just, some pretty good teams. Yeah. I mean, like the Pirates of the of that time were a really good team and probably should have won a couple more championships than they did. But the those Reds are quite possibly like the best dynasty in baseball history. Yeah. I mean, the 70s as a whole. I mean, you had the A's to start it off. They passed the baton to the Reds in the middle of the 70s. And then toward the end, it was... Uh, uh, you know, a plethora of different teams. You had the Yankees and the Pirates and a whole bunch of different clubs there, the Dodgers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just looking at the big red machine there and and just Morgan didn't, didn't just do it at the plate. I mean, the guy could field. He was just an all-around great baseball player. And, like I said, he had a great broadcast voice, too, uh, as someone who is a sports broadcasting nerd. 
Um, just sad to see him go. Sad to see all of these guys go. Just to touch on the broadcasting, I mean, we we talked about Billy Bean and, and Moneyball, and you know Joe Morgan's kind of famous in that book for for kind of ripping on Billy Bean and saying I wouldn't write Moneyball. It's like, well, he didn't write Moneyball, so and just kind of being for lack of a better word, ignorant for how the game was starting to evolve in that regard. I mean, he wasn't the only one yeah. you know, who was doing that. It, 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 the irony of it being that if you talk to the nerds, like they're like, no, 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 dude, dude, you're an even better player the deeper we dive into you right now. Like you go from, I don't want to say disrespect, but you know, he was a second baseman at, mm-hmm. at the time. So it's kind of like, well, can a second baseman really be one of the best baseball players of all time? And then you check, he's like, oh, no, he actually is one of the greatest baseball yeah. players of all time. He has top, I think it's, he finished 21st in war amongst all hitters in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. I think there's like 22 hitters that have a 100 war or higher. And uh, Joe Morgan, I mean, he's got a higher war than Clemente, which yeah. is absurd to think about. Clemente's is like 94 or something. So... Yeah, I mean, Joe Moore, that is ironic how, like, he didn't like the extra metrics, and then it's like, well, well dude, these, like, say you were even better than what you really were. But, I mean, a guy like Joe Morgan, he knows how good he was. So, yeah. Yeah, so, good. I mean, great careers for all of them. Sad to see him go. And then, like I said, Don Larson also. I don't know. Did you read perfect the book game. the perfect about him, his perfect game? There was, like, a book. I, I have it somewhere. Um, a kid who, like, grew up to end up being a sports writer. His cousin was Don Larson, and uh, he like became pen pals with him during the 1956 season. I think was the year the perfect game was thrown, and they would just write each other letters like once every couple weeks. And he was allowed like the the principal of the school when the perfect game was going on, and like the fourth inning like pulled him out of school because like they're like your cousin's throwing a perfect game in the World Series. So he got to listen to it on the radio, and then he sent him his game-worn cap from that day, signed by everybody. He was just like, here, you can have this. So it's it's a really cool book. I forget the name of that book. If you if you know it, uh, comment it on the website or you know tweet it at us, and we'll retweet it. I highly – just look up like Don Larson Perfect Game Book or something. I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's how I learned about Don Larson. Alex, any final thoughts as we wrap up today's show? Let's not be so depressing next time i mean is, is it depressing like, it, 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 it is i mean it's maybe not 100 percent depressing but it's obviously it's sad that like yeah yeah all of these guys are gone but it's also to me it's 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 i mean you and i are two kids who were born in the 90s and we're talking about al Kaline and 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 tom siever and lou brock and all these guys who most people who play this sport are like Sid Bream said this. He's like 95, 99% of the people who play this sport, they're not relevant within two years of being retired. And the yeah. only people that remember their career are the ones that their friends and family and the ones that covered them for a job. And you and I are sitting here as people who were born in the 1990s who covered baseball in 2020. And we just had a, a 20 minute conversation about these legends and how we didn't even see any of them play in person yet. We're like glowing, talking about how great they are. So to me, yeah, it's a little depressing that they're gone, but I think it's it's freaking awesome that this game gives fans of so many generations things that they can connect with and and always remember. 
So there's, you know, Eeyore, I'm not letting you end us on a sour note. I'm going to make a <laughs> I was going to say, no, no, you did a good job there. You did All a right, very thank you. There. Well, be sure to follow us on social media. Hit that subscribe all button if you haven't. Um, and leave a comment of what you think of our show, either on the website or on any of the podcast platforms uh, that you tune in on. we got more playoff baseball that we're going to dive in on tomorrow's show. We'll talk to you then.